media at SAFM with Ashraf Garden. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. Uh, the second or the third half, third, third quarter of one three, third. And I say that because I'm all mixed up because, as you know, the media show is traditionally two hours, nine to 11. But uh, for the month of July, it's actually three hours from eight to 11. So I can't say the, the third half. Goodness, that sounds ridiculous. But certainly the last third of three, if you've tuned in late, you've missed two hours of the show already. We'll chat to Tonya Kuri as always looking at um, the media week in percentages or in numbers. Looking forward to that. And... Uh, Stay with that June 16th theme. Uh, Hassan Logat, very well known as a caller on many of the shows here, he just dropped me the Learn and Teach magazine, which was tied into all those years ago, which was like banned as soon as it was launched. Well, they've come up with something, an online version tying in with Youth Month or Youth Day, uh, which I think is really fascinating. So looking forward to talking about that. But as you know, at about 5 past uh, 11, uh, 5 past 10 every Sunday, we have our eye on a person that we profile in the media marketing industry. And today it's the turn of uh, Sipo Slongwani, who's the Mail and Guardian Special Projects Editor. Uh, Sipo, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, good morning. Special Projects is like such a strange name. What does that mean, Special <laughs> Projects? You know? um, so essentially, it's the supplements. Um, yeah. But uh, obviously, it ranges from you know very small two pages, four pages, um, and then you've got big supplements that can go up to 60 pages or more. So those are treated as special projects because it does involve um, um, clients and sponsors as well. And obviously, you don't want that to have a direct link to the um, edit to the newsroom. Obviously, you want to. Okay, keep so you have your normal weekly that comes. Out yeah. the Mail and Guardian, that is, but then every what maybe every third month or something along that line, you have these special well, um, the ones, flagship some smaller project, ones as well. Yeah, yeah, the flagship projects um, roll around in, in that kind of uh, um, um, frequency, I'd say, like every three months or so. But practically every single week, we've got two or three supplements that that, uh, that, that comes that we out. Well, I mean, I certainly read yeah. many of them, so I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, okay, how so um, amongst the bigger projects that, that you involved in. What, what are they in terms of these special projects? Let's just mention the types. All right. So um, we've got uh, uh, Greening the Future and Investing the Future Awards that um, that we, we bring out. Um, I think that's coming out in the latter part of the year. We've got the NSTF Awards. Um, that's the National Science and Technology Foundation Awards. That's coming. They call it the Oscars of the science world. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, and that's on the 1st of July. But next week, uh, Thursday evening, we're going to be announcing this year's 200 Young South Africans. Um, the Mail and Guardian 200 Young South Africans, I think, is, is the most special flagship project that we bring out. So we're, we're busy finalizing that and, and getting that supplement out. So I'm l- looking forward very much to so that's, that. And that's going to happen very soon. So, yeah. I mean, and that's not a, like a, a small supplement. That's like, what, about a 50, 100 pager, I think? Uh, yeah, this, this is I, I'm saying it because I keep it every year. <laughs> I get it. I do a quick quiz. I, I love the fact that you have Twitter connections on social media with those people immediately. Yeah. So you have entree to them immediately. Yeah. And then I keep it and archive it. I said something I need to... Yeah, I've, I've always, um, even uh, before I worked for the Mail and Guardian, I always used to get one myself. And it's, it's great to be able to read it over a few months. Um, we always try and profile the most amazing, um, you know, the most inspiring young people out there. And this year, in fact, I, I, um, I shouldn't say this year because I only just joined about mm. uh, two months ago. But uh, we made a special... Um, effort this year 
to try not to include people we've, we've had before and to sort of force ourselves to stretch out and find new people, find new voices. And it's amazing that even after doing that, even after the so-called usual suspects fall off the list, there's still this incredible um, number of young people doing amazing things in I was all just the going to ask you that, that in, in not having repeats, because, I mean, let's just get this right. And I don't want to dwell on it because we're talking about you, but yeah. that, that list of young South Africans, 200, what's, what's the age cutoff? 35. Okay, so, so you're quite right. You're saying that if you've had someone who's 25 who's done something exceptional by the name of, say, Wade Van Nikia, that yeah. comes to mind immediately, yeah. you're going to try as much as you can not to repeat him. If he's been there before, this right. year he won't repeat. We'll try and find new people. And we have found new people. I mean, we've got 11 categories, and all through the categories, we found amazing young people. We also go into school, call them the rising stars. We go to high schools and we profile um, high school students who are also doing just amazing stuff, stuff I haven't even Well, heard there you are. You, you sound very, very excited about <laughs> yes, it. Yes, yeah. it is. Let, let's, let, let's talk about you. So, so outside the 200 young South Africans, Sipo uh, Slangwani, you've got your own story. You joined Mail and Guardian two months ago. Yes. Before that, where were you? So I worked in Cape Town for about 15 months in, in public relations. Um, I'm sure your producers would know about that because we'd get in touch every now and then. Um, and before that, I freelanced, but I was actually working... Um, almost every day for business day um, but I also freelance a little bit for News24 and other organizations um, and then before that was the beginning of my um, journalistic Which career. Was, where, where did you start? I started at Daily Maverick. All right. Yeah. But, but, but in terms of studying, you know, the, as, as the student, where was that? So I did two and a half years of law at UNISA but um, I actually dropped out of that to start journalism. But before that, I did um, economics and law at, at UCT. So it seems like th- throughout my student career, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. But um, yeah, when the beast faces you and you finally... Well, I, I promise you, if you asked me when I was 15, what do you want to become, Ashraf? I would say, I'd love to become a lawyer. So maybe we're friends on this one. Yeah, I understand that. You know, yeah. yeah Wh- why was, the change? Um do you know, um, th- I think this is true for all young people, you know, you, life comes at you and you change your mind as new information, change, uh, you know, as, as new information comes to you as you discover what you really are and what you really like. So I went, I, I, all through my school career, I thought I was going to be a surgeon. And then I discovered that I did not enjoy the, you know, in biology when you have to dissect things. I should not enjoy that part at all. So if, if that's going to be a fundamental part of your job, you know, that would be a big problem. Of course. If you didn't So, so, so then move to journalism then? Um, it was actually by mistake, you know. I, I just had of, a feeling you are going to say that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of fell into it. Um, I was blogging. I was working in KwaZulu-Natal in a water bottling plant um, after having dropped out of, U- of UCT, and I was studying at UNISA. And as a, I think because I've always been a writer, um, if you go back to my school, I've got pieces in the yearbook since grade six, I think. So I always, from a very young age, I really enjoyed writing. It just, for some reason or another, it never occurred to me that I ought to make a career out of it. You just didn't yeah. make the link. Yeah. Until yeah. one day I was busy, I was <laughs> blogging, and I was actually then somehow or another, I think through, it was through Twitter, got in touch with the people who were editing the Melon Garden Thought Leader. Um, and so I, I got onto that platform, and I think that, gave me a wider audience and then 
that's how um, um, the Daily Maverick discovered me and then you know got into conversation with Branko the editor and after writing a few columns I was like no you should join <laughs> and Branko I mean I chatted to him I know at the time yeah. that Daily, Ma- Daily Maverick was just launched and said I'm sure yeah. this is going to be groundbreaking as, as an online uh, let's call it a me- well media portal and, and it certainly has been right how, what did you then do it at, at uh, Daily Maverick so, so you wrote for them right yeah so I, I started off writing a column which I kept until the end of my uh, time there uh, every Monday I'd, I'd bring out a, a political column but i started off as a junior reporter now it's just doing a little bit of everything but the daily maverick being what it is it most of the time ended up doing politics and um I got experience working with some amazing um, journalists. You know, you know that they've got a very good collection there from pe- people freelancing and um, I'm writing mm-hmm. there full time. So, you know, um, it was it was an incredible experience to walk in. And on my first, I think it was the very, very first day I had walked <laughs> in, shook everyone's hand, sat down at my spot, opened my laptop and then had to dash off with Philip DeVette to go interview, to go at a press conference in, yeah. in town and the president was speaking. That was my yeah, first assignment. So yes, like, that was my, my first assignment. Well, what did you think at that time? <laughs> I was completely overwhelmed. Can you imagine? You've gone from blogging quietly by yourself. Suddenly you're front and center at the at the um, coalface of, of news, you know. It was extremely overwhelming. But did, did that give you the sense then that, I mean, your, your point is interesting. First day, you then, I'm not saying you had a one-on-one with the president, but I mean, you, you were able to, to be there, right? Yeah. So suddenly you, you're at the center of South African politics. After that, there's no stepping down. I mean, am I no. right? You can't, you can't <laughs> walk away from that. No. So and, like, and, and, like how, how was your job? You went day one. Did you like just greet Yeah, I can even to, I saw the president. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, 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 um, and you know what? Working at Daily Maverick, it kept, that was the pace all the way through, you know? And because it's such a small newsroom, I'm, I'm not sure how many there are now, but there could have been more than 10 when, when, when I was there. Um, you get to do a little bit of everything and you get to, and because obviously it's a very flattened organization, there's no hierarchy of editors. Mm, mm. You get to, you know, deal directly with your editor-in-chief and you get to see how the whole newsmaking business works. And um, as a result of that, I was able to actually... Um, in, within three years, I was the senior political correspondent, and then it, I, I had to go find sources, <laughs> develop stories, you know, and try and break stories in the, you know, in the way that you open your Sunday paper and you read, wow, that's what a so thing how, that how happened. How did you manage that? By the way, if you, wish to, if you wish to join in on the conversation, chatting, and I'm chatting to Sipo Tlongwani, but you can do the same as well. Uh, just call in 0891-104-207. So I understand the flat uh, leadership uh, plan that you guys have, but how do you move from day one? to becoming senior political correspondent at the Daily Maverick, a highly influential platform uh, in, in three years. I mean, what, what happened to you? Um, it was a lot And I don't expect of... you to be modest, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of writing. It was, um, you know, to work at Daily Maverick when there's such a small team and every single day there had to be a piece out. Um, there had to be politics and sports and whatever. Um, there was no one else to fall, o- to fall onto if... if, if the, if I wasn't able to produce, so it was learning how to write dense stories. Not so not um, two hundred fifty blurb, two hundred fifty word blurbs, you know, but dense thousand word pieces mm-hmm. that explain the political climate that so, uh, originally sourced and all of that. And you had to do it every day, and it was just. Uh, 
it was like a muscle training. You know, if you want to be an athlete, you have to get out onto the track every day and train. Um, and also, I, I should say that working under some incredibly brilliant and experienced journalists, people like Ranjini Munsami, for example, mm, mm. Stephen Krotos was a massive influence as well, to be able to sit next to them and get the news and, um, you know, understand how they process what, what, information. What did you learn? I mean, just, just give us an insight. And, and, and of course, we're very familiar with all those names, yeah. right? But, but give us an insight of what, what did you learn from them? Um, it was uh, so. It's very interesting to talk, to speak to journalism students today and try and gauge what they are studying at varsity versus how I learned on the field. And it's the soft. It's the, you. You might say it's the soft skills, but it's it's under, You know things like how do you go from being entering journalism? You know nobody. I only had Branko's number when I arrived in Joburg. <laughs> I knew nobody, right? How do you go from there to being someone who can source stories, original stories? How do you, uh, so the craft of being able to get sources. And it's about the, the small things like, you're not going to share information with me if, uh, if you think that I don't care about you on any level. So it's actually being able to connect to people like that. And it's a soft skill. It's something that you learn by watching other people do it. Absolutely. And one of the, also a massive influence in my career was Greg Marinovich when we had to do work in Marikana because we were there for quite a while. And, you know, with him, it's things like he said to me when we arrived in the first day, if you're not on the ground by seven, half past seven, you've missed the story. And it was true. We arrived there at five. Really, yeah. and this is at, at, at Marikana. This is in Marikana. Right. It was like two days after um, the shooting had happened. Um, no politician had arrived. You know, it was still very tense. People didn't know what was going on. So it was very difficult to try and get the story. But because we arrived there at about six in the morning, and by half past seven, eight, when the first TV and radio cars are pulling in. We've already spoken to half the people there. We already knew what the story was. The story at that time was they didn't know who was dead. They didn't know who was in hospital. They didn't know who was in jail. It was incredible, you know. Can you imagine so that? So a big lesson. If you're not a there by 7.30, yeah. you've missed the entire story. Yeah. Why, why then? Okay, so and it's an interesting point because you didn't train to become this journalist, but yet you're there now. So having worked with the mail, uh, sorry, the Daily Maverick, uh, an authority in that field, you then moved to the Mail and Guardian, another authority in the field. How did that happen and why, sir? So um, the, the journey went via Business Day and, okay. and then via PR as well. But essentially, um, towards the end of the Daily Maverick career, I think it, it had all become quite hectic, you know, um, working with such very difficult stories. And all, as I said, like there's a lot of pressure to to get the work out because it's such a small team. And I think I may have burnt out... Um, by the end of it so to freelance for business day actually meant that i could sort of withdraw myself from the hurly burly you, you were burnt out can i say yeah that? i was actually isn't that, isn't that the problem because i mean we're speaking to people who are journalists listening and they're also aspiring journalists and they're listening to you making an impact but you're saying after a few years and you're still a young guy like <laughs> almost like retiring i mean you don't get a a footballer saying i'm retiring at 24 unless they're george best retired at 28 <laughs> i think it was i mean is that what it was um, I think it was it, it was also not knowing myself in terms of energy levels and in terms of, of how much pressure I ought to be taking on myself and all of that. I was also doing freelance work. You know, I was, I was, doing, I was a freelance motorist, a motoring writer for, for House and Leisure. I wrote columns for Top Gear magazine. I even wrote columns for Cosmo at one stage. Um, I was spread out. You could, you could write. I mean, that's the bottom. <laughs> of, what, what's the advice? I'll get to Mail and Guardian in a right. second. What's the advice about people, you know, who've got some skill of writing, but, but they're, not, they're not there. I mean, how, how do they upskill themselves? Reading. That is actually the most important thing that I could 
import in terms of, of, of how I got to where I am in, in my writing ability. I, I still try and read like a small book a week. Sometimes that I can only do so in, 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 in like news articles and all of that, but I read. And also you have to follow, you have to have your writing influences that you follow. People whom you read and, and that is the style that you, you know, whoever we are in our career, there's someone doing it better. And if you um, try and, and emulate their style, that, that's how I found my own voice. I thought, oh, that so-and-so writes really well, so-and-so writes really well. Like PJ O'Rock, even though our politics are completely on opposite ends, the fact that he was such a good writer meant that I, I read every last one of his books so? wow. and tried to copy his style. And that's how my own voice came through in the end. So you have to, you have to read every single day. But then you have to read with and be analytical yes. about how you read. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and also, and also, I think um, it gets it doesn't get said a lot, but you need to develop your argumentation skills. You need to develop logical thinking because at the end of the day, that's what journalism is. You're trying to impart information to a listener in a way that will influence and change them. And the only way to do so well is to do so logically. So how, how do you how do you do that? Because I, I read people. That's a critical yeah, point. I read people with whom I disagree in politics, in economics, in, in in whatever. I read people with whom I disagree, and I do so every single day. And my friends actually laugh at me because it makes me really angry when I'm busy reading somebody and but they, they will dislike <laughs> yeah, and I completely yeah. dislike it. But to be able to then argue the opposite point to be able to say this is why i disagree with this, what this person is saying and there are a lot of excellent writers out there for example who are libertarians or conservatives or whatever and I'm, I'm i don't believe in 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 those positions but i read them as much as everything that they publish i read them because there are people like jonathan chait in the united states and just because i it develops my ability to argue my side well, 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 if you to like counter it. yeah Absolutely. so if point, you can't yeah. do that as a journalist unfortunately then you're not doing a service to the public and to yourself, really. Okay, good. Uh, three more minutes chatting to uh, Sipo Slangwani. Goodness, it just raced away. So Mail and Guardian, why did that come about? And, and why did you go for it? So um, <clears throat> after business day, I moved to Cape Town and I was working as an account manager in a PR firm, um, which was a lot of ghostwriting, but a lot of um, handling client business and handling, you know, uh, the media contacts as well. So it was another aspect of, of media work. Um, and it it it's gives you a different set of skills. In journalism, you never have to worry about clients. You never have to think about client objectives and what they pay for and how to get the, their message across to the, to the media and how to handle, you know, every, SAFM have, has its own editorial standards and Madeline Garden does and so on. How do you man, manage to merge the two? And it was excellent training for the work I'm mm, doing now mm. as supplements editor because that's precisely what I have to do now. I have to manage client expectations and manage um, our own editorial Because supplements are, are generally sponsored, right? Yes. You know, so, so it is a bit of that. It yeah. is a bit of, now, of making is this sure... Where, is this where you want to be now? Why? Um, I wanted to be at the Madden Guardian. Um, and also, I've always wanted to... Uh, I, um, people always say to me, oh, never become an editor. They'll make you stop writing. But I don't know. I've always wanted to be... Um, uh, to raise my game, so to speak, in the in, in journalism. And you know what? Um, whenever there's an interesting 
thing happening one of the editors the online editors woke up to me and say hey don't you have a piece about this and i'll write it and i'll send it in so it's not like i'm not writing it's not like that stopped happening but it is a different skill set it's a different level of journalism and i'm really enjoying it i love working at the man and guardian it's a fantastic team it's a fantastic environment and the work is extremely challenging and it's very rewarding for me Okay. Because at, at the end of the day, what I do actually pays for the big investigative stories well, that come out at the front page. Absolutely. Well, that makes complete yeah. sense. You get that sponsored, so it allows them to, yeah. to set up other things. So, so what, what's your end goal for you? I, do you know what I would actually like to do? I've got medium goals. I don't know about long-term goals. Medium goals. I actually would like to get a degree. So next year, I'm going to do that. I'm going to um, get my journalism degree at WITS. And then I'd like to write a book. Um, I think I've, I've always been terrified of writing books. Um, I did do a very short one in the Youngster mm, series, mm, but mm. I don't think it really counts. You want to do, you want to do something really I want serious. to do a real book. I want to write a fiction and an unfiction book, and that's that's what I'm working towards. That's what I am applying my, my skill sets to right now. Well, all I can tell uh, you as a listener is uh, remember the name Sipo Slongwani, spelled H-L, of course, right? H-L-O-N-G-W-A-N-E. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter as well. Comrade Sipo. Comrade Sipo, okay, there we are. Uh, The Mail and Guardian Special Projects Editor with that uh, fancy name called Comrade Sipo. There we are.